Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash genre. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hello, genre junkies. This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And welcome to Science Fiction Night. Science Fiction, my favorite genre of all. Yes. Now, before we get into the episode, we should tell everybody this book is a sequel. Yes, it is. And we reviewed the first book of this, uh, War Cross, uh, about a year ago. By Marie Lu. Yeah. By Marie Lu. Absolutely. Um, So you can go back and listen to that episode if you'd like. Uh, Kind of refresh if you haven't read these recently. So, I mean... Obviously, there's kind of spoilers. We're still going to be spoiler-free for the first section, but I mean, you have to have read the first book. Yeah, there'll be a little bit of spoilers for Warcross, book one, um, in, in this spoiler-free section. Yes, and you should listen to our review, Don't Believe Things You Read on the Internet. It is not Ready Player One with females. Not at all. We covered that pretty extensively, yes, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get into the um, the vegetarian meat that is this... <laughs> the yes, which I prefer. Let's um let's talk about pop culture that we've been uh absorbing lately. I'll start, though really you're a part of this as well. I know exactly what you're gonna talk about. The perfection. Oh, and yeah. it was. It so was this so is, good. This is on Netflix, and uh I have not dove into what reviewers are saying about this yet. I have no idea what the reaction is. Um, I have no idea if people liked this, if people not, if this was, you know, offensive or hurtful to some folks. So this is just like our off-the-cuff reactions to it. So here's the thing. I know people were like loving and hating it because it made them physically ill. It made a lot of people physically ill or want to be physically ill because it is like pretty extreme body horror at some times. Um, I really liked it a lot. I really enjoyed this movie. I found it gut-wrenching and interesting and beautiful and heartbreaking and powerful. Uh, that's my interpretation of it. The acting was so strong and yeah. powerful. I can't, I, 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 I love I really, the two female leads. Yeah. I mean, they were just both brilliant. And it, their their relationship is, is very strongly realized in the movie and you know, there were some things that I saw coming and there was a few surprises as well. Same. Don't let yourself be spoiled if you haven't been spoiled yet. I think yeah. it's worth going in blind and yeah, it's, it's really good. Knowing as little as possible. And I did watch the trailer because, I mean, before I'd heard anything, I think I saw it when the trailer dropped on Bloody Disgusting and I was like, oh, this looks freaking awesome. And yeah, there was some stuff that were like meant to be twists or whatever. And Scott and I, who's were, you know, hella smart like that, we like, totally saw it coming but (laughs) sometimes we didn't sometimes we didn't so i I don't know see it decide for yourself kind of like we did then if you want to seek out other reviews but try to go in as blind as possible and see how it affects you as a person agreed yeah 
Well, my pop culture reference today uh, is actually The Adventure Zone by the McElroys. The McElboys. That's right. Um, If you've listened to The Adventure Zone, you know it, you love it, especially their very first arc, which was Balance, which was beautiful and, and fun and funny. And, you know... Amnesty has uh has its very strong fans which is their their second full arc and and it has some detractors. I had a bit of trouble getting into it at the beginning as well. I have to say especially this last chapter of it has been beautiful and powerful. I have cried and uh, it's surprising. They have really taken their storytelling to a new level. If you haven't listened to The Adventure Zone, you should. Start from the very beginning, listen through balance, and go on from there. And if you're like some other people who kind of dropped out of Amnesty because it just wasn't really ringing true, I really recommend that you catch up. Don't let yourself be spoiled and just enjoy what the McElboys have been doing. It's It's been incredible. So you you're, you liked it. I, I, I love it. <laughs> Just teasing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. What a good thing to share, because I bet there's some crossover listenership there. Oh, there should be. I, I've been trying to get Sandra to listen to it for a very long time. I listened to big parts of the first one, and I enjoyed it. That's true. You yeah. did. It's, you know, yeah. No, I think I will. I, I'm, I'm sure I will listen to it at some point. So no spoilers, please. Yeah, no spoilers. So let's talk about tonight's episode, which is going to be Wild Card by Marie Lou. This is the second book in the Warcross duology? Yeah. Series? I don't know what this is. I think it's just a duology. I- I'm going to say duology. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I just realized that we're bad podcasters. We should have looked into it and seen if there was what's coming out after this. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned <laughs> for that information. So I'm going to read you guys the description again. This is a sequel. This is a second book. So if you are interested in cool, futuristic, uh, girl power, virtual reality, science fiction, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the vibe here. Emika Chen barely made it out of the Warcross Championships alive. Now that she knows the truth behind Hideo's new Neuralink algorithm, she can no longer trust the one person she's always looked up to, who she once thought was on her side. Determined to put a stop to Hideo's grim plans, Emika and the Phoenix Riders band together, only to find a new threat lurking on the neon-lit streets of Tokyo. Someone's put a bounty on Emika's head, and her sole chance for survival lies with Zero and the Blackcoats, his ruthless crew. But Emika soon learns that Zero isn't all that he seems, and his protection comes at a price. So, directly after the events of the first book, this one pretty much picks up with that shocker, absolutely insane cliffhanger ending of the first book. Yes, uh, where uh, Hideo has basically taken over the world with good intentions. Like of like mind control, basically, and like to get people to like be good instead of doing bad things. Yes. And uh, Zero is there. <laughs> yes. Who who, yes, who is revealed at the end of the first book, mm-hmm. uh, very well may be Hideo's long lost brother, which is the reason he's done all of this. Sure appears to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So anyway, I have complicated feelings about this book. Okay. What was your experience? 
my experience with this book is complicated. I don't know if I should go first or you should go first. I think we might have the same score. Hear, oh, hearing I your hope, waffling. I, I I hope we don't have the same score. Oh. I want us to have different. Okay. But... <laughs> Well, I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and start then. No, I'll start. Okay, you start. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this was a good read. It's certainly not a book. Yeah. um, I mean, it is a book, technically speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, I am so invested in Emika, and I love her so much. I think she's a brilliant character. I think Marie Lou is a great writer, and I think she created just a super good world in both of these books. Very believable, real-feeling characters, absolutely wonderful use of diversity in different ways. Representation for females, for people of color, for uh, different, you know, um, abilities, and also for uh, gender and stuff, like... (laughs) And sexuality, like super awesome. But I was not super engaged to the plot. There was good character stuff that happened, especially for Emika, that was really important to me, especially towards the end of the book. So we can save that for the spoilers. But the plot itself just kind of churned along for me. I I, I feel the same way. I felt it was a good read. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But uh, considering how much I liked Warcross, yes. I was a little surprised. Yeah, it was a little bit of a letdown from that. Yes. I, I, but I don't even feel like totally right saying that because it's um because i was so happy with the character stuff see it's interesting you say that because uh my biggest problem was i felt that there wasn't enough character stuff in the areas that i wanted there to be Hmm. there's a lot of characters that are introduced in warcross the, the first book and a lot of them are very interesting and they're very diverse but there was a lot more to be given from those characters there's a lot more relationship building to be done well sure of course with those characters between emika and them and learning more and the moments of of real character study with with the other characters in this second book I wanted more from the characters in this book, and I feel like I didn't get it. What did uh, you think of the plot, though? I found the plot engaging. I thought mm-hmm. it was it was it was interesting, and it was it was it was a good twist. Yeah, but there's there's definitely more that I wanted from it. We're kind of saying the same thing about wanting more, but a little bit different interpretations of that. Yeah, this book just really, in in a phrase, left me wanting more. Yes, yes, that's interesting. Um, I, I think we're pretty much on the same page then with that. I do want to talk a little bit about the the extra inclusion that is in this book. New character? There, well, there's a few new characters, uh-huh. um, and some of them are are just bit parts, but. It, it, much like Warcross, she uses the opportunity to add characters that are unique and different. For example, there is a non-gendered character in this. Yeah, which is, as I was saying, about representation. And I wish that they had more of a part in the book because yeah. I found them to be really interesting. I think they could have their own book. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it borders on the territory of inclusion for inclusion's sake, 
But I think Marie Lu does a very good job of introducing a diverse cast of characters that I'm willing to give her a little bit of a pass. Oh, I would not agree with that at all, that it's inclusion for inclusion's sake. I think that Marie Lu absolutely, genuinely pictures our future as being more diverse and more accepting and more beautiful and colorful and so many different flavors of human. So I don't think it's for inclusion. I think that's really who she is. I do too. And that's what that's why I say I give her a pass because I feel like I, I feel like she really does mean it genuinely and she really does envision the characters that she creates. Well it's as okay the for ancillary characters to yeah. be different. Yeah. I just I just wish that, that that particular character that I'm referencing, I wish that they had more to do. Well, like I said, I think they could have their own books, so that's what I'm kinda hoping for. Um there was a character, a new character, uh, pretty significant that was introduced in this book, which is Jax. Yes. Who, who I, I really liked. enjoyed. I really liked Jax, but I liked Jax for the same reasons that I like Emika. And I feel like there could have been done more there as well. Oh, I think we got a lot about Jax. And we can say that for the spoiler section, but I think we got a lot about Jax. I don't really know what more we could have done. We literally got the character's entire history and was huge in this book. So I, I don't, I'm not sure what you mean by could have done more. We'll have to talk about that in the spoiler section. Yeah. But um, I thought she was awesome. She's a black coat. She's a badass. And she's not that like what's becoming very tropey badass female character. Like she's more than that. Thank God. Because I think we we all, we all love a badass female in our horror, in our sci-fi, in our fantasy. But she's getting a little tropey these days. And it's like, no, you know, I expect more from my authors, you know, to flesh these characters out a little bit. And um, I think Jax was a really fun addition to this book. I, I do agree. I like Jax a lot. And Marie Lu is really good so far at creating badass women characters who are not... Um, who don't fall into the trope. They're badass for their own reasons. Like and Hammy. For- Hammy's a badass. Exactly. Uh, Hammy's a great example of a character that is just really strong and really, really great uh, female character. A- and and like I said, I like Jax. Uh, I'll go more into detail in the spoilers, but there's, there's similarities between her and Emika that I, I feel could have been contrasted more. Um, let's talk about Tremaine, too. I was really happy with the character treatment and more that Tremaine got to do in this book. I think he's an interesting guy because he's like, he's not like kind of like super in the team. He's not a Phoenix writer. So he's kind of an unlikely person to become like such an ally and and a factor in Emika's life, but he ends up playing some huge parts in this book. And I thought that was really fun. And not only is it nice that he and Emika don't have any romantic tension, but he actually has romantic tension with his ex, Rashawn, who is on her team. So it's just kind of nice that it's like, yes, he's he's gay, which is awesome. But thankfully, he's not, oh, I kind of love Emika too. Like everybody just falls in love with Emika. It's like, <laughs> thank God, just let him, let your maybe Tremaine. <laughs> uh, it was nice to to go back into that world and meet Emika and her team again, and I just get to spend team. a little bit more time with them. I love the Phoenix Riders. 
Yeah. Love Ash. Love them all. Um, I, I really do think Emika is a great lead and just flawed and faulted enough. Um, incredibly brilliant. And though a lot of heroines and heroes, but especially heroines, they're orphaned or they lose a parent or both. And, you know, it's a big thing and a big struggle for that character, as it would be for a human in real life. But nothing about hers feels phony or like super contrived. You know, it feels like she really had this wonderful relationship with her father, who was a super cool dude. And how that affected her as this absolutely brilliant mind and how he encouraged her to be an out-of-the-box thinker. It just everything about their relationship feels so good to me. And it's not just orphaned for orphan's sake either. It's really hard for me to talk more about the characters without going into spoilers because I, I have some strong thoughts about that. Um, I don't know. It's hard to talk about a second book in a series without going into spoilers and kind of knowing where that line lives. Oh, yeah. So I think we've got to get into the spoiler section here. I mean, I think at this point, if you've committed to the sequel to the first book, I think you're picking up what we're laying down here. So without further ado, let's head to the spoiler section. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Welcome back to the spoiler section. So you may have noticed... For those who keep score at home, we did skip the appeal section and we have discussed it and we thought it was a little weird to put an appeal on a second book. We just felt it was weird. I think that if you're not sure, well, first of all, if you haven't read the first book and you're listening to this. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Um, Unless you really aren't interested yeah. and you just want to hear our beautiful voices. Which, which wax poetic. totally fair. That's right. Yeah. I think uh, I think that the appeal for this book is those who have read Warcross. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit more. I just want to really briefly talk about the character stuff because that was such a huge positive for me. I know it wasn't as positive for you, but I'd rather start off with the stuff we really liked. Okay. So Jack's a great addition and has this incredibly complicated backstory that ties into the plot, which was interesting, which was very interesting part of the plot, that it really is like this creepy study and Taylor, what a monster, what a what a good villain and treated very um non-traditionally. I mean, she dies very early, you know, like for a villain to do and we see all of her evil machinations early too um and i like that i thought that was really smart of marie lou uh but anyway jacks jacks i love her you love her she loves suzuke she had a complicated life i'm sorry she has to like go to prison for the stuff she's done but that is realistic. I mean, she was an assassin and she killed people. Yeah. And unfortunately, like the institutionalized way she was raised, I think she's going to have a hard time adjusting back into society and she might have to pay her dues. But I was sad to see her go to prison. I, I didn't want her to. I wanted her to like escape or something. Jax is a great addition to the story and she is deserving of her own book, even series. Yeah. 
I want to like I want to read about the experiences that she had at the institute in a series. Yeah. Not in the few chapters that that kind of explained what happened. I see. I, I want I want to experience her as she's living that. Her and Suzuki's relationship and their time in the institution. Very fascinating stuff. Um very well written, of course. Marie Lou's a great writer. And I don't want to take, because the plot wasn't what I wanted, I don't want that to take away from her writing because that's, you know, that's my opinion, your opinion. And other people, the plot might really have worked for them in this. We're going to talk about that in a, in a minute. So Taylor, as I kind of briefly said, a good villain, creepy, weirdo, horrible woman. She, she... Oh, and a villain I didn't quite see coming how diabolical she really was. Oh, it totally surprised me. Yeah. I did not see her as being the villain. Uh, Marie Lou did a really good job of setting her up originally as kind of a of an underling. And then yeah, find out that she was. And, and I have to I have to give Marie Lou a lot of credit. It would be really easy to have written a book and then at the end have have their, you know, the 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 realization that she is the big boss and the realization that Suzuki is actually dead and isn't an AI. That could have been the end of a book. Yeah. That could have been the cliffhanger into the the conclusion of a trilogy. Yeah. And I have to give her a lot of credit for not falling down that because I think it was introduced at the right time. I think that Marie Lu does not like to do the expected, but not because she, oh, what a twist, like, you know, sort of thing, but like, she kind of likes to circumvent things and turn tropes on their head, which I think is really cool. And I think this was a really um, good example of that, her treatment of the villain in, in this story. Um, so specifically with characters... I want to talk a little bit about Emika. So um, there was some really prolific stuff that I feel that Emika said, aka Marie Lou said, uh, that I highlighted actually quite a few things in here. And that was especially towards the end of the book. We get even better stuff with Emika evolving, in my opinion. But um, it felt very natural to this person who is a, you know, she's an adult. She's been living as an adult for a long time. But she's still young and she's still gaining life experiences and she's still learning things. And there's this passage where she talks about fighting for survival with everything we've got, as if the oxygen mask and the seatbelt and avoidance of a square of chocolate cake might be the thing that saves us. And that's the difference between the real and the virtual. Reality is where you can lose the ones you love. Reality is the place where you can feel the cracks in your heart. When the world is murky, guide yourself with your own steady light. Hold steady M. Keep going. That's a little paraphrasing. That's all her dad's yeah. uh, speech. And I, ugh, that really rang so true to me, that whole passage and where she's realizing in her life that you can do more and you can be more and just because fate has dealt you cards doesn't mean that's who you have to be and then also this kind of realization of mortality and of fighting uh, that i found a lot of that part of emika's arc to be really powerful the the realization that the the you 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 really find your potential and you find yourself when there are risks when there's real life is powerful 
Mm-hmm. I I liked the the arc that Emika took in this book. It's definitely shorter than what happened in Warcross, but she did still have growth, especially in her in her interactions with her friends and with Hideo. Oh my god, she grew so much as like being open to them, and I love that they like all called her out on it at different times of like Emika, like WTF? I thought we were like a team. Yeah, you can't open just up. lone wolf this right now. Well, and we've talked a lot about this. This is something Scott and I have come to feel very passionately about with characters and about people in life, but especially characters. And because of our beloved Sabrina actually brought this up is, you know, you can't choose like, oh, I don't want you to have to go through this because it's so hard for you. Like, you know, because I love you so much. It's like, you don't get to choose that for people. It's not your right if someone is emotionally invested in you or your or, or your life. Yeah, and I think that's a big character, you know, journey our little Sabrina's going through on the show. And it was one that um, Emika went through in this book, too. And you can understand why she has walls and why she's guarded and she's a bounty hunter and, you know, and all, all this crazy cool stuff done her life and tragic stuff but it's like no you don't get to choose that for people and i think that's a very important message i know it's one i i'm trying to learn as a person and i'm not fictional as far as i know <laughs> um yeah there was some cute stuff where i highlighted too about like um to good friends like when they're cheersing at the end and stuff that just oh it made me happy and saying goodbye to the phoenix riders well it's nice because we know they're going to go on. Um, but it made me sad in a in the literary sense to be leaving the team. I want to talk about the Phoenix Riders and Warcross in particular because one- there wasn't enough of it in this book. Exactly. I know, I know exactly. That's when I say the plot and the story, that's totally it because I had so much fun. Yes. And I was expecting this book to be super fun. It was not fun. Yeah. They they talk about okay, they're replaying the the championship game and they make no description of what happens in it. That made me kind of sad. Like and I, I want to like- know how it, I, I really want to know how it goes on, on a moment to moment. And I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. It's because she's saving it all for, you know, the the top ten game or Yeah, uh, the big climax. Yeah. Yeah. And that game didn't even happen. And yeah, they, they do play "Quote unquote," a game of Warcross when they're hunting down Zero, but it's not it's Warcross. It's it's not the same at all. And I was really excited for it, like when we were getting ready to play it. It even like ended a chapter too. I think that it was like, oh, we're going to get into it, and it's like, oh, but we didn't. <laughs> that made me sad. I, I was I was I was in it for the game in a lot of ways in the first book. I found the for game to be plot, interesting. Yeah. This this book overall doesn't take a lot of time to breathe. It doesn't take a lot of time to give the reader just a little bit of fun and let them live in the world again. Yeah. It is very plot driven. Yeah. To to the extent where some characters are really just are really just a uh, 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 they just deliver plot. They're just points in the plot. I think Tremaine had a great conversation with Emika for that for that one chapter, but really, that's the only characterization he really got until the very end. The rest of it was just okay. He was just the guy getting the information and helping her get into the building. Oh, I think he was a little bit better than that because I felt a little bit better about him, as I said in the pre-spoiler part. But I, I kind of get what you mean. He got a little shelved for a while. 
style. Um, no, I, I agree. Like, she created this really cool game concept, and then there's no payout. And that was a bummer. Yeah. I want to say that her editors made that choice and it wasn't her. I want to say that. I want to say that too. And I know that this this must have been a really hard book to write because Warcross really just went, you know, you know, 110%, just, you know, 0 to 60 and ended with such a dramatic climax, cliffhanger. Yeah. Just just a huge apocalyptic event basically. Where do you go from there? I mean, are you able to really just take the time and play a game of Warcross when you're you're literally talking about effectively the end of humanity? Yeah, they even say that when they're cheersing, like, uh, no matter the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, this is really shallow, but I really liked it a lot in the first book. Uh, I wanted more descriptions of her beautiful rainbow hair and more talk about her tattoos <laughs> because I love the description of Amica so much physically. And I was like, but what? Oh, one more. I want to talk about her hair and her tattoos some more. There's only one reference to one tattoo. But you know what? I will say at least that one was a good one. Yeah. And I highlighted it and I really want it as a tattoo. I know you do. I knew you would. Because I feel like it's a great literary quote. Um, Every locked door has a key. That's when she has on her clavicle. <sighs> brilliant. Brilliant. That's an aha moment for me. That tattoo and that phrase. Um, There actually wasn't a lot of description in this book now that I think about there it. There was some cool descriptions about different things, but not quite in the way I like them. Yeah. It's not something I normally notice, as we know, but now that I think about it, like, yeah, that must have been kind of kind of difficult to not Sad have for me. more... Mourning. More, yeah. <laughs> I was mourning it. Um, let's talk about Hideo. Okay. A wonderfully complicated man... I will say, um, I like that he didn't get off too easy in the end. He got off a little easy, but at the same time, I feel like he went through so much and some of the heartbreaking stuff, like with his memories and everything, just like shook me to my core. They talk about too at the end of the book, the contributions that he made and that, um, you know, when she talks about the snippets from a documentary, she shows him all the stuff and all the incredible things that the Neuralink did. And it's like, I'm not saying like, oh, you made this great like contribution to humanity. So like, you should totally get off easy. But it's like, there is a real person under there with a heart and like with feelings and with a lot of compassion and good intentions. And he and Emika, I feel, have a real connection. Um, I feel like they actually really enjoy each other as people. So the um kind of epilogue made me really happy. Like the way she ended it where it's like, maybe we can still have a relationship. And then the end is they were seen holding hands in the, you know, tabloid thing. I was like, good. I'm glad because I think they've both been through some stuff and maybe they deserve a little happiness. <laughs> they do it. Sorry, that was like time. my long rant about Hideo, <laughs> but I felt really complicated emotions around him. I have complicated emotions about Hideo too, and and most of that leads me to one conclusion, and that's he's one of my favorite villains uh, 
I can remember reading. That's interesting that you think of him as a villain. I don't know if I think of him as a villain or not. I think of him as as a villain in the way that he thought he was doing the right thing, 100%, the hero of his own story. But what he did was not right. Well, and especially compared next to like Taylor, he was not that sinister with his intentions. Oh, yeah. Taylor was evil, pure and simple. Well, no, she... She was not a nice person. She was not a nice person. She did person. not have a lot of humanity in her. Hideo was not a bad person, but he did a very, very, very maniacally bad thing. Uh, With his brilliant invention. Exactly. That served mankind. But he, he is a villain in that humankind. way. He's a villain. He, he took over the world. For a time, he took away agency from the world. But it's also the question of I think a lot of people would do that and justify their means. I, I think most villains will justify the actions well, that they're taking. Even That's so, my point. Well, even good people, I think, would let that power corrupt them a little bit. Like, don't you? Like, I think a lot of people would like create this neural link and stuff like he did and then be like, you know, just kind of rolling with it. And it just becomes like this snowball, this Katamari ball as it's just picking up speed to the point where it's like, well, I can do this and I can do this. And, you know, it's kind of absolute power corrupts absolutely. Completely. I, I'm not I'm not making a judgment call. I think it's I think it's just an interesting take on that the, a villain is a hero of their own story. Mm. What what makes a villain? They did something really bad. Uh, not necessarily that they meant to be evil in doing it. But what Hideo did was evil. It was wrong. Yeah. Uh, whatever his intentions and how he ended up at the end is, is not even is it is what it is. At the end of the day, he was for a while there the villain. He was the true villain, and and that's why I like him so much because it's a great. He wasn't written like one. Um, one thing that I feel that I have a little bit of a bias for is, um, as far as Hideo is concerned, is I'm a big fan of people of color, but especially men of color being um sexy romantic leads too, because there's not enough of them, and in pop culture, and especially in Westernized pop culture, you would think that like an Asian dude could not be um, the sexy, desirable leading man type. And so I have like a vested interest in Hideo because he is. Everybody in the whole world wants him. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Marie Lou. I, I agree. We need more of this. And he is described, like, physical traits of his Japanese heritage are described in scenes when 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 she, when Emika is talking about how attractive he is. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I realize I've never read before. Now, I don't read, I don't read everything under the sun. I know it exists, but... <laughs> you don't read a lot of things where people <laughs> take their clothes off either, it's as true. I often do. But yeah. it it's really nice and refreshing because yes. that is attractive. I mean, that is an, those are attractive traits. Well, like, yeah, you can be from anywhere and be attractive. And it is important that that is shown in books. And I think especially for male leads to be, you know, sexiest man alive on People magazine should actually reflect the people of the country and of the world in this case, since he's not an American. <laughs> I digress. Anyway, I think you guys get what we're saying. We we are on Team Hideo because we support what's going on with him. Um, 
So let's talk about the big, the big, the big twist that I did not see coming even more than Taylor. And that would be that Zero is AI. He's a computer program. Did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming either. I, I did like that. That was that Me was too. that was one of the big twists where I like where it happened. It's huge. It's a huge twist. I like how it was presented. I like how it was earned. And I like how it was concluded as well. Yes. Yeah. Um Wow. And he's just like the face of this revolution. And he's not even really the, the big bad behind it all. And he's AI, the most sophisticated AI ever known. It's crazy, but it felt so genuine and so earned. Good job. Mary I Lou. did feel that it was earned. And I feel like she may have had an idea of that at the end of Warcross. There's a few things in this that I'm not sure that she had in her mind until after she'd finished Warcross that she came up with as she was was uh, writing Wildcard. And mm. I, I feel like that there's some things uh, I think there's some things about Zero that really came as a part of her writing Wildcard, but I, th- I, I there's something about it that just th- that rings like she had an idea that he was AI even when he she was writing Warcross. I think so too. I think that she was very clever. It, <laughs> she kind of like six sensed us all. Yeah. With like, oh my god, nobody ever touches him. And you can like totally argue that like, you know, Bruce Willis is, is like dead once you like know it, you know? It's like, yeah, you can totally argue that Zero was AI the whole time. And it makes sense the way that he moved about uh, the, the Neuralink yeah. in the first book. It just makes perfect sense. Of course, of course, he's AI. Of course, he's a ghost in the machine. Smart, smart choice. Good choice. Uh, definitely elevated the plot as a whole. And hey, Amika Chen, CEO of Henka Games. Good job, girl. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. There was really no other way that it could have. And gone. she's a genius, and she deserves it. Yeah, I was really afraid that that the book was going to end with Warcross being gone and everyone realizing just how wonderful the real world is, which is an important message. But with how much the Neuralink was set up as like this is this is basically what the world is like now. Yeah. To just suddenly get rid of it just didn't seem well, and, right. And, and when, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and like. Um, you know, they told her when they were pitching it to her to take the position and also when she was pitching it to Hideo that this has done so much good for humanity. It's done so much good. And someone else is going to do it and they might not do it right. So we got to get in this and do it right. It might as well be us. Because yeah. everyone's looking at us. Everyone's looking to us. We're the ones to do it. And not that I had any doubt that my girl Emika would do the right thing with that money. But I like that it was put in there, too, that she started a foundation. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, of course she did. Like, for her and her weirdo roommate back in New York, like, you know, and for all the girls that are like that, that are brilliant, but could just get swept under the rug of society. So, um, one last thing that I thought was really powerful and really helped me end this book on a good experience was Marie Lou's acknowledgments. Mm. You know, I'm a big fan of acknowledgments, any afterward, anything by the author. Uh, it leaves me with a really good taste in my mouth. <laughs> and there was one she said in here, finally to my readers, you all inspire me daily, do great things and challenge the world. Mm. And I feel that despite my qualms, despite my dare i say disappointments in this book i feel like that quote is the sum of her message 
of these books. And I think that's really important um, and really beautiful. So I was really happy that it ended on that. And it really elevated my experience as a reader. That That's that's really nice. <laughs> that's nice. So dare we give this a final execution score? Yes, you go first. Okay. I, you know, as I said, I enjoyed this book. I think that ultimately it concluded in a very satisfying way. Uh, and it was fun for me to go back to the world. But it, in so many things, there were things that just left me wanting more. Yeah. I wanted more interaction between characters, more character development. I wanted more of Jax. I, I think that she was deserving of her own story. Um, I I wanted more of the of the of the game Warcross itself. I just wanted more. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I'm going to give this. Oh, it hurts to do this. I'm going to give it a two out of five. I I, I liked it very much for myself in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I think ultimately the execution of its message and the continuation of the characters deserved more. I'm going to go a little bit better than that. I am going to give it a three out of five. Um, I have a prediction. Everybody hold us to this. I think Scott's opinion on this book is going to soften over time once the initial shock wears off of it this happens. review. Um you know, that happens to all of us as readers and, and reviewers. But I think Scott's going to soften to a three over time with this because I think there's going to be enough stuff that sticks in your craw that elevates it kind of like it did for me to a three. Where, like I said, I hate to say I was disappointed in this, but this book was not as fun as I wanted it to be. Um, It was good, but it wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. And even though I wanted this book to hit the high emotional and societal points it did and i'm so proud of her for that i still wanted to enjoy my reading experience more than i did so there you have it i don't even know should we give like like a we didn't usually we didn't do our usual like how many you know skinned prostitutes out of five do we give this book (laughs) no we didn't that's kind of my fault i guess uh, but I think we'll just leave it at stars. Yeah. Just leave it at stars, which is maybe a little disappointing for you as a listener. But you know what? We were a little disappointed as readers and reviewers. Maybe you wanted a little bit more from us. Well, so we yeah, really damn feelings mutual. <laughs> okay, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Scott, say good night. Good night. <laughs> that was a good question. Good night. This is not normally how we end the show. Good night. <laughs> Again. It's hitting you with the unexpected and perhaps slight disappointment. Anyway, thank you all for being bookworms. Thank you all for being listeners. And please, as always, keep reading past your bedtime. (laughs) 